We think women need to talk more openly about money because money really matters. It shouldn't be embarrassing or confusing. Join the conversation. We'll be discussing a whole range of topics which will help you get comfortable with your finances. Money Matters, brought to you by AJ Bell. Before we get started with this week's podcast, we're very excited to announce our first live event. So it's happening on the 10th of March in London at 5.30pm and we're going to be talking about all things investing in your future. We've got a great lineup of speakers with our very own Helena Morrissey there and Anna, the founder of Female Invest, also speaking. So all of the details will be on the Money Matters homepage shortly or you can go to the Money Matters Instagram where all of the info is there for you. Now on with this week's podcast. Hello and welcome to this special edition of the Money Matters podcast. I'm Laura Suter. And I'm Danny Hewson. Uh, and I feel like we need a klaxon, Laura, because we are going to talk through all those price hikes, what they are, how they'll affect you, and if there's anything you can do about it. And everyone will have noticed that prices have been rising and their money isn't going quite as far. But we've got more um, pressure coming down the line from awful April. Yeah, it is depressing, but forewarned really is forearmed. And if you know what's coming down the tracks, at least you won't be taken by surprise. And there are things that you can start to think about, tricks to save money, potholes to avoid, whatever your circumstances. Yes, so we've assembled a crack team to help you figure out what to make of these price rises and how to try and beat them. So we've got Sarah Williams from the blog Debt Camel, and we've also got Gemma Bennett from Mortgage Mum. We've got Katie Royal from the 20% on specific issues affecting younger people during this cost of living crunch. And we've also got Tash Jackson from Energy Helpline. Before we jump in, though, Laura, let's run down some of the big changes heading our way. So this doesn't make for particularly pleasant reading, but what we have got to look out for is in April, we're having a freeze on income tax rates and also an increase to national insurance. Both of those things will mean that most people's take home pay will be slightly lower due to the effect of higher taxes. Um, But we've also got the energy price cap coming in in April. Uh, The change was announced recently, and that means that the average household bill will be going up by £700. Um, And on top of that, we've obviously had two interest rate rises since December, which affects anyone with any debt or mortgages, which we'll come on to. And inflation, as we're recording at the moment in February, is 5.5% but is expected to hit 7% in April. Yes, awful April. I've heard it called so many times. Now, there is a bit of help coming your way as those hikes come in. Uh, You'll get a council tax rebate of £150 if you're in bands A to D, but I'm afraid that will be offset slightly by the fact that council tax payments are also due to go up by an average of 2.8%. And to put that into real terms, an average bill of 1428 will go up by around £40 a year. And the government has also announced some plans to help people with those rising energy bills. Um, They are giving a £200 loan to everybody from October, but that will have to be paid back at 
£40 a year over the next five years. And in what is some slightly unfortunate timing, at the time that everyone will get that help on their energy bills is actually the next time that the price cap will go up. And if energy prices keep rising, what we could see is an increase again at that same time. And I don't know about you, Laura, but it is freezing in my house today. We've got storm units rattling by and I've been trying so hard not to put the heating on. But the kids are off school and they were cold, so I caved and I imagine that there are an awful lot of families in the same boat right now. Yeah, definitely. So a good place to start is energy. I've been chatting to Tash Jackson, who is an energy expert at Comparison and Switching Service Energy Helpline, about how we can battle those rising bills. So Tash, thanks a lot for joining us. Um, So we all know that bills are rising, but we want to know what we can do to beat those hikes. So the old advice previously was to get off a price cap and get a fixed rate deal. But that advice doesn't really work anymore, does it? No, it doesn't work anymore. And the reason for that is that what the price cap did was protect people. So the most that you could ever get charged was that price cap. Standard variable tariffs, which is what we were urging people to come off of, are now at that cap. So anyone on that tariff should really stay there. That's the best place for them to be at the moment because you have do have the protection of the cap. And so we know that that increase is coming in April. What, if anything, can people do to beat that hike? So if you're on a fixed deal um, that protects you from the price cap, so let's say, for example, you're on a a deal that is fixed until September, absolutely stay there and, and, and continue to do that. When you come to the end of a fixed tariff, which lots of people are doing, your best bet at the moment is to roll onto the SVT because you do have that protection. In terms of beating it, it, it's really difficult. There aren't cheap tariffs on the market anymore. There's nothing that is substantially lower um, than the price cap. So then is it more looking at actually tackling the source of the problem? So how much energy you're using rather than being able to find a cheap deal to reduce those costs? Yeah, I, I, unfortunately, that is really the only way to beat the cap at the moment, which is is quite scary, really, because, you know, people are having to make some decisions about, you know, heating and, and all of those types of things. But there are some simple things that you can do around the home that will help you uh, reduce your energy usage, which is ultimately the best way to beat the cap. So, so what, what are your best ones? I'm sorry. One of my favourite is a, a simple thing of turning the thermostat down by one degree, which we've been advising would save people about £100. But actually, when the price cap comes in and with the cost of energy, it's probably going to be a little bit more than that that you'll save annually. So that's a really good one. And yes, it does mean maybe another jumper or putting socks on around the house, but one degree can save you as much as £100. And so anyone that's on a fixed rate deal at the moment is probably going to be feeling pretty smug that they're beating these price rises. But if that fixed rate deal is ending soon, what should they do? Um, because they're then going to face higher costs, aren't they? Absolutely. Anyone on a fixed rate deal is, is, is sitting pretty pretty at the moment. They are protected by that price and, and it can't increase. Unfortunately, what it does mean for those people is that when they come to the end of it, the market is going to look incredibly different to how it did look when they jumped on that deal. Um, we're talking, you know, a price cap now is a, uh, is at about £2,000, just under £2,000. And, and when they fixed, it was probably close to 1000 The increase is 54%, which is super significant. Um, those people, the, the only thing they can do really when their tariff comes to an end is roll on to the fixed rate. You're 
probably be getting lots of notifications from suppliers saying, oh, why don't you fix to this? But actually, the best thing for them to do is just to sit tight and allow the supplier to roll them onto the SVT. And so if we look kind of further out to the end of the year, the pri- we know that the price cap renews every six months, um, although the regulator has recently announced that it can increase it more frequently in exceptional circumstances. But So we've got the next definite increase happening or definite change happening in October. Do you think we're going to see another price rise then? And, and how long do people need to prepare for these price rises to go on for? Um, it, it, it's really difficult. And I think that the uh, interge- intervention sorry, from the uh, regulator it, it is really needed. I think in October, we're likely to see another increase. And that is down to the continued volatility that we're seeing in the wholesale prices. We're going from seeing prices increasing marginally week by week to seeing you know, huge fluctuations day by day. And with that, it means that come October, there there is likely to be another increase. So basically, people need to be prepared that this isn't the peak of of prices that they're going to be paying. No, and I think that when the price cap in April comes into play, we'll then see a real sort of change in the market. And hopefully, we'll have some uh, suppliers introduce some relatively competitive tariffs Uh, whilst they won't look competitive on last year's prices they absolutely will look competitive on potentially sort of november december forward-looking tariffs so it it's it's quite a difficult challenge in terms of knowing where to place your bets but you know that come the uh sort of middle of the year we'll absolutely have advice and things that we can be giving to consumers to make sure that they're doing the right thing So I guess the benefit from now is that the weather should be getting a bit warmer. Um, We should be getting a bit more brighter mornings and evenings. So we should all need to be using a bit less energy. Um, Does that help? Absolutely. I think when you can be outdoors, you know, heating's on less, lights are on less, all of the things that are using a huge amount of energy, um, absolutely. The reduction in using, using those means that you are absolutely going to be reducing your monthly cost there are things like um that you can be doing within the summer when it's slightly warmer to kind of prepare your house for the winter which is probably a a really good thing to do as well so things like draft excluders um, and just preparing your house a little bit so that when the winter months do come in you're not going to feel the the cold as such excellent thank you so much for that so some really interesting thoughts from Tash. But you know, whatever we do, those bills are not going to look pretty. And there might be times that that extra payment coming out every month forces us to cut back in other areas or maybe put a week shopping on a credit card or dive further into an overdraft. So I've been talking with Sarah Williams from the blog Debt Camel. And I started by asking her what people need to be looking out for and how to know when they're getting into difficulty. It can be really tricky to know how much trouble you're actually in. I mean, obviously, nobody likes paying another £150 a month on your energy bill, or it costing an extra £20 every time you fill the car up. And every time you go to the supermarket, the bill seems to seems to go up a bit. Um, but if you've got a busy lives and you're in a couple and you've got incomes coming in at different times of the month, perhaps you've got child benefit and things coming in at different times of the month, and you've got different amounts coming out at different times of the month, 
it, it's not always easy to spot when your credit cards, which were pretty low, are just going, tending to creep up every month. Um, and that's what you need to be looking out for um, in any one month. It doesn't matter if your credit card goes up a bit or your overdraft goes up a bit. If you're otherwise fine and there was something very odd about that month. But if you're finding out there seems to be something very odd every month <laughs> and every month you're deeper into your overdraft at the end or you've got more on the credit cards, then that's a general warning that you need to kind of stop and take control of what's going on. And there'll be some people who actually can't manage to pay the minimum payments on their debts, that the only way they are managing to make the minimum payments on their credit cards and pay their loans and the bills is by shuffling between things. So you're using your credit card to buy groceries and, and to fill the car up with petrol. Um, you're still paying off the credit card minimum every month, but it's going up every time because you haven't got enough money left. You're having to borrow every month. So that's often called um, robbing Peter to pay Paul. You're taking money from one place and using it to pay off to another. And it, it's quite easy to think you're OK for quite a long while, particularly if there's two of you and um, you know, you've got lots of different accounts all over the place. So keeping an eye on what's happening is, is really the first thing to do. Looking at ways you can cut back. Well, we'll talk about those that in a few minutes, probably. Um, but if you realise you actually can't manage without using your credit cards, you know, if you just say, well, I'm not going to take my credit cards out and I'm going to take them off um, Apple Pay and I'm going to take them off Amazon and I'm going to take them off PayPal and you can't get through to the end of the month, then either you need to cut back a lot on your expenses, which some people may be able to. But if you think you've already done that, at that point, you need to talk to a debt advisor. And it's better to do it soon rather than to let those debts go up and up and up, because in a year's time, you'll have to talk to a debt advisor. And at that point, you'll have a much bigger problem. So come early and your options are better. Your options are nicer. As you say right now, there are, there are huge pressures on people's budgets. So maybe in the past you haven't really had to think about money. You haven't really had to think about what's coming in, what's going out, because you're just going along quite happily. Yeah. Now, suddenly, as you say, that cost of a tank of petrol has increased, and so has everything else. So suddenly, your outgoings every month have increased, and you might not be across it. So, so how do you start with basic budgeting? The start for budgeting is really to look at what you've spent in the past. You might want to change some of that, but you've got to be realistic about what you have spent in the past. So if somebody says to me, oh, I think I can manage to feed my family of, you know, me and my husband and two children on £150 a month, I'm in the, Unless you're a vegan with an allotment, you're going to find that quite tough. It doesn't matter how much you like to spend £150 a month and how much you think theoretically you ought to be able to do it. It's not going to happen. So have a look at what you are spending. Sit down with your bank statements, your partner's bank statements, um, your credit cards, his credit cards, and go back 
certainly a couple of months, three, three months would be good, and come up with some broad categories. So you can say food, um, transport, um, things to do with the kids' schools, um, clothing, um, entertainment, whatever suits your own lifestyle and make them fairly broad. You know, you, you, you want to know what you're spending on transport. Later on, you can divide it up until, until you know, road tax and petrol and servicing and, and MOT and everything like that. But go for the broad brush categories and just go through all your expenses. And if you're taking stuff out on cash, you're going to have to make a guess as to, um, you know, what you spent it on half went on lattes and, and cakes and the other half went on food shopping or, or, or whatever um, so do your best just go through write them down work out what you average spend on those were and compare that to what your income is and that's you know if it jumps out that actually you don't have enough income to to cover these expenses that's that's where your problem is so the question is can you can you cut back on them Sometimes there's obvious things to cut back on. You've got a habit on, you know, getting an Uber, um, when actually there is public transport. It's pretty easy um, to solve that one. It might not be what you want um, at the end of a hard day, but that's the art of budgeting, really, is you have to make choices. Every pound that's coming in, you can only spend it once. And if you're spending that on an Uber or a takeaway, then you haven't got it there to spend on school uniform for the kids or putting the petrol in the car which you need to get to work and that's one of the key things I think for a lot of people if they're working hard to earn the money to have a nice life and suddenly those nice to haves are disappearing that can be quite painful to realize and deal with yeah I, th I think so because it may have been lifestyle creep that you've just got used to spending more and more, but you are now used to spending this amount. Your kids are used to uh, the way things work in your household. You know, that if they say, oh, mum, we need a pizza tonight, you'll go for a Domino's or, or whatever. That, um, you know, when it comes around to Valentine's Day, you'll get a banner and balloons and special cakes and things um actually you know your kids aren't going to be scarred for life if you don't buy balloons and a valentine and a banner for valentine's day some things you could actually look at and say yeah we don't actually have to spend that much and other things you have to make choices on would you rather have takeaways two or three times a month or would you rather save that up and have a and that would probably give you enough money to pay for a weekend away with the family. Um, you, when you don't have enough to buy everything, you have to make the choices and you have to be honest with yourself. Having a, a, a rough budget and putting things, putting some money aside for things, it reduces your stress. You don't have to worry about these things and it does make your life easier. Sarah, it's been lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. 
So Sarah's got loads more tips on her blog, or you can find her on Instagram at Deck Camel. And talking of outgoings, most households' single biggest outgoing will be their mortgage. So the fact that they're getting more expensive is adding to people's money woes. But we've got Gemma Bennett, a mortgage broker at Mortgage Mum, to help us work out what we can try and do to try and squeeze those costs down. So Gemma, the Bank of England have increased interest rates in February and it's the second time they've done it in the past few months and they've signalled that more increases are on the horizon. So if we look to mortgages, that's going to affect anyone with a variable rate mortgage. Um, So what can those people do to battle rising prices? So as you've said, if you've got a uh, tracker mortgage that tracks the Bank of England rate, you would have already seen some rises. If you're on a standard variable rate, that is actually at the discretion of the lender. So some of those haven't risen yet. They are likely to though, and the lender will inform you. So in answer to your question, the best thing you can do really right now is to look at your options to fix. We have we are still seeing very competitive rates. They are still low. They are rising, but they're rising slowly. So right now is a really good time to start locking in. Um, it's interesting. We're seeing locking. There's two-year and five-year fixes have always been really popular. We are seeing some ten-year fixes on the market now. The thing to think about, obviously, when fixing though, is your future plans um, because they come with early repayment charges also known as ERCs and so it isn't something to be taken lightly because if you have got a change in circumstances planned you are looking to move you are looking to increase your um, your borrowing then it's not a case of just fix for as long as you can because they are applicable so it's it's kind of finding that sweet spot between your plans um, but also trying to get those those really low interest rates for as long as is is really feasible for you and works with your personal circumstances if you are on a fixed rate currently and you want to uh, look at that and when the fixed rate ends, what we all are also advising is that people look at it maybe six months before their fixed rate ends. And the reason for that is a lot of mortgage offers once, a, once applied for will last for six months and we can set the completion to take over. So it's worth getting ahead of the game really if you're fixed rate is ending uh, within the next six, seven months, it's worth, you know, starting to look at your e-mortgage options now. And so for most people, their mortgage is going to be their biggest monthly outgoing. And as we're all seeing prices rise across the board, whether that's kind of at the petrol pump or uh, food shopping, um, lots of people are feeling that squeeze. So is there any way for people to perhaps reduce that mortgage cost or temporarily halt it or do anything there to save a bit of money to get them through this current uh, price rise crunch? Yes, obviously, Look, first of all, looking at your remortgage options, what is the best option for your circumstances? Um, things like looking at increasing the term can take down the um, monthly mortgage payments. This does increase interest over time, but if the monthly payments are the are the key thing that you're focused on at the moment that's something that um, a broker can help you with to look at your options obviously getting to a lower rate but otherwise we 
when it comes to mortgage re, um, hol payment holidays, they are, in all honesty, the last resort. And the reason I say that is during during the pandemic, during COVID times, as we call it, um, these payment holidays um, came with a proviso that they weren't going to show on your credit report. Now they do. And that can affect future borrowing. So it is something that is available to people um, when speaking to the lender, the lender will review your situation. They will usually come up with a lot of other options first and the payment um, holiday, mortgage payment holiday would be the last resort. But the best thing you can do really is start to look at your budget, your in and out expenditure and, and versus income and really take an opportunity to to take control of that because sometimes if you haven't had to look at it there might be subscriptions there might be things that are going out that seem minimal but are actually adding up so it's like doing a little spring clean of your finances first of all as the first step and there are people there to help you if if you know working with a spreadsheet makes your head spin there are people there to help you look at budget planning and seeing what is essential what can be dropped what isn't and I heard an analogy recently that said you know when we get our mobile phones go on sort of 20% a battery sometimes people go into power save mode just to take away all the apps that are running in the background that don't need it and it's a bit like that with our finances there are possibly things that you're paying out for monthly or regularly that can be adjusted and that would be our kind of the first port of call um, the other thing I was going to suggest here as well is that if we have credit card payments or loan payments that are adding up month uh, month not adding up monthly but are, are making those monthly uh, that monthly affordability a bit tight there are other options um, we could look at debt consolidation with regards to a remortgage or secured loans. These aren't for everybody. It's not always the best option, but talking to a broker who can illustrate to you if it is the best option can take those payments, monthly payments, right down potentially. So then you're left with a lot more disposable income. And so when people are applying for a mortgage or remortgaging, affordability is a big factor of what lenders look at. So looking at how much you could actually afford to pay each month for a mortgage. Now, if costs are rising everywhere, if your energy bills are going up and your food shop's going up and, and all of these kind of cost of living increases are happening, a mortgage lenders taking that into account and then saying, well, if your salary has stayed the same, you'll be able to afford less in a mortgage. And, and is that having an impact? Yes, that's exactly right. We are actually already seeing and getting notifications from lenders to say that they have adjusted their background affordability calculators. So just to explain that a little bit, um, lenders uh, have a background affordability calculator that is specific to them. Um, the broker will input the income, certain expenditures, um, term, and then the calculator in the background works out what they deem to be affordable. They've often pre-populated what they think generally is, is the cost of um, uh, food and uh, heating and um, various things. They, they've often based that on, you know, huge market studies done an average, and that's how they come up with what they think is affordable. They have very slightly adjusted these. And I've seen within last week, even just because it's been so recently that they've announced these increases, um, a lender 
something was deemed affordable and then literally a couple of days later was no longer affordable because they'd taken into account um, the new the new rises for the cost of living, which is responsible, really. And um, it's, it's hard to take when you think, oh, no, that's affected my level of borrowing. Um, but it's doing it so that you can live <laughs> and that you can afford to live. Um, and these things really do need to be taken into consideration when looking at your budget. The last thing you want to do is push your budget, your disposable income, that which means the income you've got left after living, um, to such a level that there is no room for buffer because throughout our life we are going to see ups and downs and we do need to have that um, slight buffer for when these times are around and when these things happen. Amazing. Thank you so much for explaining all of that. And we do know that not everybody owns their own home. Young people in particular, just starting out on their careers, trying to save up to get on the housing ladder, often living in rented accommodation. And sharing with other people can cause particular problems when trying to cut costs. So I sat down with Katie Royals from The 20%. She writes a blog specialising in young people's financial lives. And we went through some of the cost pressures unique to them. From everyone's experience of these price hikes is is different. Inflation's affecting everybody differently. Are there areas where young people are being particularly affected that that maybe people like me just don't think about? Um, Yeah, I think there's definitely a couple of areas um, you look at. Um, Firstly, obviously, a lot of young people are still renting. They're not on the housing markets and rents are going up. I think latest figures show they're sort of about 2% 2% up year on year, um, which is obviously quite a bit. And then you're expecting that to increase hugely in line with inflation. And that obviously impacts the amount of money you have left and how much you can save for a deposit to perhaps get on the housing ladder. I think also in terms of student loans and how much people owe, that's often essentially um, comes into inflation and other things because that's linked to the retail price index so you pay the retail price index plus three percent in terms of interest on student loans and currently that up, latest update shows the rpi is 7.84 percent so graduates have 10.84 percent um, interest compounding monthly on their loans which is huge and it makes the ability to repay this debt virtually impossible, essentially rendering your student loan repayments a, um, a tax, really, and a fairly hefty tax at that. And again, it's taking money out of people's pockets that they could put towards their household bills, their food or savings or investments. And seeing that huge figure as well, that must just be absolutely debilitating when you're just starting out in your career, you're thinking about, you know, trying to get on the housing ladder, you're trying to progress and have a good standard of living and socialize and meet people and yet you've got that huge amount coming out every month and that that number's just massive yeah it is it is huge so for plan to um student loans which is so anyone that went to uni um from 2012 onwards um the threshold at which you start paying back is uh, just over 27,000. And so the government have just frozen that for the next year. So essentially graduates will be paying £110 a year more than they thought, you know, had anticipated they'd be paying, which is, you know, a 
significant sum when, you know, budgets are incredibly squeezed right now. And it makes the marginal tax rate of a graduate earning over 27,000 over 40%, which is a huge amount, as you say, for someone trying to get on the housing ladder or, you know, just create a life for themselves and with some, some sort of financial security and kind of, you know, a nest egg or an emergency fund to give you some security if things do go wrong. And when we talk about all these budget savings that a lot of people are able to make, if you're, say, for example, in a house share and you're trying to, you know, cut back the amount that you're spending on your energy bills to dialing the thermostat down a bit, what happens if someone you're living with wants that thermostat set at 20, 21 degrees? That that can be complicated. Yeah, and I think that's a huge challenge. And what you've good to remember is often in these flat shares, people have either made friends at university or school friends or something, and they have obviously all got very on very well. But then you come into the working world and you might have someone on a finance grad scheme who's earning 40, 50K, and you might have someone starting out in lower paid industry who's only on sort of 20K or so. And there are huge differentials in what people can and can't afford and also what people expect. I guess another issue comes into that with hybrid working and some people are working from home all the time so therefore you know don't want to freeze while they're working from home might want the heating on but if someone's in the office five days a week they might say well why am I paying to keep you warm when I'm getting no benefit from that and so I mean there's no easy answer to that at all and I guess it's just having open communication and talking about these things in a flat and maybe setting out what you all agree is reasonable like you know for example I'm fairly sure most people would agree putting the heating on 22 when you're sat around in shorts and a t-shirt is probably (laughs) not very reasonable but perhaps you know if you've got jumpers and everything on and it is cold you can have set hours you put it on or keep it on a low rate for longer and but yeah it's incredibly difficult and you know it's a challenge for people sort of just setting out in the working world and getting to grips with these things they probably haven't had to manage it before and it's very difficult time to be coming in and having to do so. It's been absolutely lovely to chat to you, Katie. Thank you so much for your time. No, thank you very much. So we hope that this cost of living special has been helpful or at least made you aware of some of those price increases that are coming down the track and how to potentially prepare for them. Yeah, the next few months, I think, are going to be really tough for lots of people. And very few people won't notice that the money that they have just isn't stretching as far as it used to. Look, as we always say, do get in touch with any questions or comments. You can email moneymatters at ajbell.co.uk or follow us on Instagram at moneymatters. And thanks to all of our guests, so Tash, Sarah, Gemma and Katie. Do search for them on social media and we'll make sure that we link to them on our Instagram page as well so you can get more of their great tips. But for now, thanks a lot for listening. Before you go, please remember this podcast is for educational purposes and the views expressed don't necessarily reflect those of AJ Bell. The podcast isn't telling you whether certain investments are suitable or not. And don't forget that the value of investments can change and you can lose money as well as make it. It's also important to remember that tax rules apply and that the way an investment performed in the past may not be the same as how it behaves in the future. If you want help, go see a qualified financial advisor.